Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning into another Paradox Free Speech and Medicine podcast. For those of you who are subscribing directly on a podcatcher, you'll just be getting the audio version. But for those of you who are signed up for our Substack, you'll notice that there's the option of reading this rather than listening to it. The advantage to reading it, of course, is you get some memes and graphs and visuals. But a number of you have said that you enjoy getting things in an audio format instead, or at least to have that option. So thus, the podcast. Today I'll be reading part one of Is There Harm in Harm Reduction? You can never get enough of what you don't really want. Problems in Cottonland. I moved back to home to Cape Breton in 2003. Cape Breton has long been a depressed area, Canada's equivalent of Appalachia, which J.D. Vance wrote about so well in Hillbilly Elegy. We were a coal mining area for many generations, and thus in decline ever since King Coal was gradually usurped by big oil. Over several generations, including my cohort, an 87 high school grad, Cape Breton's biggest export was young people. Those with get up and go, got up and went, heading off to university or to pursue jobs or start businesses anywhere but Cape Breton. Many never came back. Or if they did, it was only after they were incapable of work due to disability, addiction, or age. There was a reverse natural selection process that left behind a lot of older folks, seasonal workers, unemployed, underemployed, and those on welfare or public benefits of some sort. It was a recipe for social disaster and a perfect setup for addiction problems. Although tourist literature paints Cape Breton as vibrant and friendly, which it always was and still is in many ways, a dark underbelly of social problems and drug abuse grew. Just ask any police officer who has worked in Cape Breton. Like Appalachia, we became an epicenter for addiction to prescription opiates, drugs like Oxycontin or hillbilly heroin, and more recently fentanyl. The impact of drug abuse in Cape Breton was well captured in the documentary Cottonland, which you can watch online. My own aunt was one of those who became an addict, aided and abetted by a notoriously loose prescribing family doctor. He was representative of a very credulous medical profession, only too glad to accept the education sponsored by companies like Purdue, and then to do the work of promoting big pharma solutions to issues like pain, anxiety, depression, and social dislocation. But that's another substack. Blaming the massive problem of opioid addiction and deaths of despair on big pharma alone is facile, however. Addictive drugs, and those who want to sell them to us, have been around for centuries. It seems that societal changes have made us soft targets for false promises. Over the last few generations, we have become emotionally fragile, listless, and easily manipulatable due to much deeper psychosocial spiritual issues. What is addiction? Maybe we should blame this addiction issue on René Descartes, the thinker perhaps most responsible for our current thinking where we see a sharp distinction between mind and body. Is addiction a physical or a mental disorder? Our model of addiction has inexorably become more mechanistic and scientistic, as has our thinking about human life overall. In this modern view, a human is a predictable machine whose running is understood by understanding chemicals, electrical signals, or the mechanisms of joints and muscles. If we can only do more research, we can completely predict and therefore control the machine that is us. Using this modern mental framework, 
the logical approach to addictions, ask the question, what is wrong with or missing in this person's brain that we can fix for him? The term opioid replacement therapy is now used to describe giving methadone or suboxone to addicts, a term that suggests that what is wrong with them in the first place is that they are lacking opioids. The same way we would prescribe thyroid medication for someone whose body doesn't make it properly or growth hormone for kids who are deficient. The term stimulant, stimulant replacement therapy has now crept in for people who crave stimulants, for which the withdrawal is much less problematic than with opiates. As this new mechanistic model has taken hold of our thinking, we have abandoned a deeper spiritual, social, cultural model of addiction. In that model, we ask the question, what is missing in this person's life that doing drugs seems like the most logical choice? Rat Park. The Rat Park studies give us wonderful insight into this issue. Many of our studies that showed that drugs are extremely addictive were done on isolated rats. Take a rat, put it alone in a cage with two water bottles. One has cocaine or morphine or Valium or something addictive in the water. The other doesn't. Most rats quickly become addicted and dependent and will go into withdrawal if their drug is taken away. But Dr. Bruce Alexander of Rat Park fame and coincidentally mentor to Free Speech and Medicine 2023 speaker Dr. Julian Summers recognize that rats are complicated social animals. They need social contact, they need touch, they need companionship, structure and purpose. Rats in a healthy social environment, the rat park, were far less likely to become addicted even when given ready access to addictive substances. Jordan's, Jordan Peterson has spoken eloquently about this issue as he has with many others. Rather than asking why do some people become addicted, the better question is why doesn't everyone become addicted? Rather than focusing only on what goes wrong in the lives of addicts, what is it about those who aren't addicted that makes them different? The answer seems to be that we are much less likely to become addicted if there is something to get up for in the morning. Why not drink that third or eighth or twelfth beer or smoke a few more joints or accept the offer to snort a few lines of coke? because we have something better, something more important to do with life, because we have to be at work in the morning and our coworkers are counting on us, or get up to drive our kid to hockey, to get that substack written that's been burning in the back of our mind, or drive our elderly mom to get groceries. We have things in our life that are more meaningful and fulfilling than being intoxicated, and being chronically intoxicated gets in the way of our doing them. Johan Hari and other authors have said that the opposite addict of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Houston Smith said, you can never get enough of what you don't really want. Harm reduction at its base approaches addiction and the problems that stem from it as medical problems, ones to be solved by experts and the collective rather than individual spiritual problems. Some of us believe this approach is destined to fail in the next few substacks, I'll expand on why I think that's true. Mm -hmm.